All right. What's happening, everybody? Hope you had a good week so far. I'm excited to be here with you tonight. Um, I want to share this message with you, and man, I just really feel like this is going to change a little bit of your perspective. So I, I heard a word shared um, by, uh, what's his name, Michael Koulianos at, with Jesus Image, and he mentioned this in one of his messages, and man, it just reframed just the way I see the Lord working and moving in my life, and I'm hoping to share that revelation with you tonight. But it's titled this, The Divine Invitation, The Divine Invitation. So we're going to talk about it a little bit, but we're going to read a little bit of, of Scripture tonight, okay? We're going to get into the Word. You guys like the Word of God? It's a good thing to read, right? Do you have the Word of God with you? Anybody have it with them? Cool. Well, let's do this. Let's open the Word of God. Let's go to Mark chapter 9. We're going to read this story and account many of you are probably very familiar with. Um, it's, it's when Jesus was transfigured on the Mount of Olives. And uh, Mark, Mark chapter 9, verses 1 through 13. Um, and we're going to read this whole thing, okay? We're going to get into it, so bear, bear with me tonight. But I want you to see this story in its entirety um, for a couple different reasons that you'll see here in a second. But I just want you to see how significant this moment was. So it says this, And he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Verse 2, now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. So this is significant because Jesus didn't take all of his disciples. Matthew wasn't with him. Simon wasn't with him. There were a lot of people that missed this moment. And in fact, you'll see that even when they got down the mountain, they still didn't know what was going on. So this is significant to be aware of that Jesus just took Peter, James, and and John, and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. This is what I want us to understand about Jesus. So, so basically, Jesus gets on this mountain, and he's just transformed right before them. We know this about Jesus just because of how people interacted with him, is that Jesus, when he walked on this earth, he didn't look like God. Because if he did, everybody that saw him would fall flat on their face. <laughs> so Jesus, there was nothing divine about the person of Jesus in terms of his appearance, what he looked like. As he walked across the street, no one would say, oh my goodness, look at that shining angel walking down the road, right? There wasn't a distinctive um, divine nature about Jesus and his appearance. But in this moment, something shifted and Peter, James, and John saw a, an aspect of the glory of God in his appearance, this was a really significant moment, and what we see is that Jesus, God, has the ability and had the ability all throughout the Old Testament to reveal certain levels of his glory, right? So we remember this interaction between God and Moses where Moses says, I want to see you. God says, you can't, you'll die, right? If you see my face, you will die. But what we do see is that God has revealed himself in lesser forms of glory all throughout the Old Testament, when, when Jesus showed up to talk to Joshua before he went to, to Jericho, right, Joshua saw him and he fell down on his face and he said, Lord, you know, they had this incredible interaction. Well, was that the fullness of the glory of God? No, it would have killed him. But it, it was this lesser glory. So Jesus has this ability to kind of give you a little bit or a little bit more or, or a little bit less. He can, can manipulate what he reveals to us. And Peter, James, and John had access to this unique moment where they didn't see Jesus just as a man anymore, but they saw a different level of his glory. They were the only ones privileged to this moment. It's so amazing. Verse 4 says, And Elijah appeared to them 
with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Just, I know you know this story, so it can kind of get diluted when we read the same story over, over again, but I want you to just think about the significance of that moment. Like, you're standing there, you're Peter, you're up there, you see Jesus get transformed, and then you see Moses and Elijah, I don't even know if you know who they are, what they look like. I don't know how you know that that's them, but you just see this incredible moment happening. You're like, oh my goodness, right? It's wild. And then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Verse six, because he did not know what to say for they were, they were greatly afraid. A cloud and a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. Suddenly, when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. Now, as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them, watch this, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So you're sitting there, right? You're, let's say you're Matthew. You've been waiting all, all day at the bottom of this mountain. When, when's Peter coming back? When, when's James and John getting, Jesus getting back here? And they come down, and Peter's just flushed white, right? His face is just like, oh, my goodness. Like, he just saw a ghost. He's coming down there. And Matthew's like, hey, what in the world happened? He's like, I can't even tell you, bro. <laughs> like, that, what, 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 you, what would you feel, you know? If you're one of the disciples that didn't get to go, you're like, no, tell me what happened. Something crazy happened. Tell me what happened can't tell you, man. I'm sorry. He was sworn to secrecy, right? And it says, so they kept this word to themselves, questioning what, what, um, what the rising from the dead meant. Sorry. And they asked him saying, what did the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Why did the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Then he answered and told them, indeed, Elijah is coming first and, re- and restores all things. And how is it written concerning the son of man that he must suffer many things and be treated with contempt? Finally, verse 13, but I say to you that Elijah has also come and they did to him whatever they wished as it is written of him. So I know that was a a long story, but I wanted us to read that whole thing because it's very significant that, that Peter, James, and John were invited into this absolutely monumental moment with Jesus. Not everyone was privileged to go, but they went. And here's the idea for us tonight. This is what I want us to take away. This is what I want us to understand. It's the perspective I kind of want to just shift a little bit for us, is that Jesus always invites us into more. He always invites us into more. And I think sometimes the invitation of Jesus can feel burdensome. It can feel like work, right? When Jesus comes to you and he says, hey, I want you to go talk to your coworker about the Lord. I want you to share the gospel with them, right? We automatically turn off from that and back away from it because it's like, ah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. That's weird. That's awkward, right? But what we're missing is this is an invitation from the Lord for you to step into a moment that is uniquely yours, that no one else will be around to witness. And this moment comes with access and privilege of knowing him in ways that you've never known him before. And oftentimes the Lord will ask us to do things, to put things down, to give things up, to speak to people, to pray for people, do all of these things, right? He asks us to do this and we take it and look at it as, oh, this is so burdensome. I don't want to do this, right? Has anybody had that argument with the Lord where he's like, hey, I want you to do this. And you're like, no, I don't want to do it. 
It's like, how silly is that? You are literally rejecting an invitation from God to get to know him more. When we put up our hands and say, ah, I don't want to do that, we're, we're like, uh, uh, imagine this. This is, what, this is what this would be like. Imagine you're Peter. You walk up to this mountain. You're looking up, and you're like, Jesus, we're not going up there, are we? And he's like, no, 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 we're not all going up there. He says, hey, Peter, James, John, you guys come with me. We're going to go up this mountain. And imagine you're Peter, and you look back at Jesus, and you say, ah, I'm good. I'm all right. Matthew, you want to go? I'm good. I don't want to walk up that mountain. Judas, you want to go up there with Jesus? Who else wants to go with Jesus? Because I don't want to go. And imagine living your life rejecting this invitation of Jesus to see him in all of his beauty, all of his majesty, and all of his glory. But for so many of us, we live this way. The Holy Spirit comes and he tugs on our hearts and invites us in and he calls us closer and he says, hey, I want, I want you to do this for me. I want you to lay this down. I want you to go here. I want you to say this. Come closer and, and receive this invitation. But we say, ah, I'm good. I'm okay. Like that breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to know that I'm missing out on him. Because we internalize this stuff so much and it's like Jesus just wants me to do this. It's not about you. He has something for you. He wants to show you something. He wants to reveal something to you. Like the reality of this, like this, this truth is, is so sobering to think that you love God not because you like decided to love him. You love him because he first loved you. Like you didn't pick Jesus. He chose you. And, and the invitation of Jesus is like, hey, I'm trying to reveal myself to you, but you keep pushing back. Like, you keep refusing to accept this invitation. Like, I'm, I'm calling you up to the mountain, but you're like, nah, I'm good. What? Are you serious? Do you not know that when you get to the top of that mountain, you get to see things that no one else gets to see? When you get up there, Jesus has something for you that'll completely change your life. Like, why do you think, like, I know it costs you a little bit, but man, isn't it worth it? Isn't seeing him worth it? Isn't he knowing who he is worth it? I mean, imagine being one of those disciples and looking up and saying, ah, I don't want to climb that mountain. You, really? You don't want to climb a mountain? The verse says in, in, in uh, Mark 9, somewhere, one of the verses we read, it said, up, it went up on a high mountain. And that, the word high mountain isn't like describing Mount Everest or anything. They didn't go hiking for days. It's just referring to a, a, a big hill. That's what that word means. Jesus isn't asking you to do a whole lot here. <laughs> He's just asking you to climb up a hill. But I think it's interesting that it's, he's asking us to do something. I think it's interesting that he didn't get transfigured at the bottom. I think it's interesting that he got transfigured at the top, which required James, John, and Peter to put in some work and effort. 
And I don't, and when I say that, I don't want you to automatically turn, turn me off because I know work and effort is really a taboo word in the church. You're like, no, we don't work, we don't strive, it's just grace, and it is. But, but I want us to reframe how we look at work and effort, okay? Because a lot of Christians, we look at work and effort in terms of our jobs, right? We go to work and we, we do our jobs and then in exchange for our time and our effort, we receive a paycheck, right? And so if you didn't receive a paycheck at the end of the week, you would have some complaints with HR, right? There would be some problems. Why? Because your job owes you money. This is not the relationship we have with Jesus. We don't work and then he owes us something, right? So it would, be like, it would be like Peter cresting the top of the hill and being like, all right, Jesus, show me what you got because I climbed this hill, you owe me something. That's not, that's not the relationship we have with the Lord. Rather, look at your work and your effort and your striving as in terms of a relationship maybe you have with your husband or your wife. It's a better picture of our relationship with Jesus. I remember Emily told me years ago, she said, Dominic, I know that you love me, but I need, to, I need you to show it a little bit more. What does that mean? All the wives in here know what that means. That means you better come home with flowers. You better plan a romantic date. You better do something intentional that shows your wife you're putting forth effort and intentionality behind the pursuit of this relationship. Why? In that moment, now you don't get to say, ha, you owe me something. No, no, no. What it is, what that work and effort produces in your relationship is the pursuit of one another's heart. The connection of one another. Intimacy deepens when you're intentional. And so, so is true with our relationship with God. When he calls us up the mountain, it might be effort to go up the mountain, but he still doesn't owe you something. It's the effort that connects you with his heart. Like, I, I was so frustrated today. I saw this video of this guy talk about obedience, and he was like, do you have to, you have to be obedient in order to be saved? And, and his old premise is, no, you don't. And I agree with him. I don't think you have to do anything to receive salvation. It's a free gift. But I'm, I'm so tired of, of Christians and people making everything about salvation. Salvation is an incredible gift that we get from God from, because Jesus died on the cross. But here's the truth about salvation. It's the door that we walk through. He is the gate. He is the door door. And on the other side of that door, you have a lifetime with God to know, to grow, to love, and to know him more intimately. Why are you stopping at the door? Like, no, you don't have to be obedient to get through the door. But do you want to be a friend of God? You have to be obedient. Do you want to know him? Do you want to love him intimately? These are things that help us grow in our relationship with him. Right? Like these, these aren't trivial things that we get to throw away. These are important aspects if you want to know God. If you want to have a relationship with him, you must be able to climb the mountain. You must be able to say, you know what, Jesus, I accept your invitation, and it doesn't matter how difficult this is, I'm, I'm going to go, because I know that when I get to the top, it's going to be worth it. When I find you, it's going to be worth it. Whatever you're asking me to do, if you're asking me to like share the gospel with that, that angry person that's in my life that always rejects me, and I'm sick and tired of being rejected, but if you ask me to continue to do it, I will do it because I, I might not see it now, but I know one day it's going to be worth it, God. I know you have a plan. I trust your plan, so I'll climb a mountain. I want to read this scripture verse, and that's a typo. It's not in Mark 9. I forgot to switch it. It's in Revelation. Mom, help me. Uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse... You know, you just preached on it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Go ahead, put it up there, the next one. Mark, it says Mark 9, but I just forgot to. It's Revelation 3, 8, anybody know it? <laughs> 3, 18. Anyways, it's, it's in Revelation, it's a typo, that's my fault. 
Um, but anyways, this, this, is, this is the letter from John the Revelator to the church of Laodicea, the lukewarm church, you know it. And this is the verse, I think it's 320. Is it 320? 320, Revelation 320. He says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, if anyone hears my voice, Jesus is saying, I'm standing at the door and I'm pounding on the door. And if anybody hears me, and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him. If anyone hears, as I'm banging on this door, if anyone is willing to accept this invitation, what I will do in turn is I will come in and dine with him and he with me. This is an invitation to a lukewarm church that says this, if you will receive my invitation, if you will open the door at my request, if you will just move toward me, I will make myself known to you. I will have community with you and we will be close and intimate. I want to share this because I'm not, and this is kind of me telling on myself, but this is how the Lord deals with me a lot of times. And many of you, I know, go through similar seasons, but the Lord will come to you and he'll, he'll say, so, like he just said to me just recently, he laid out how he wanted to spend our, our, my quiet time together with the Lord. So every day, you know, I have quiet time with the Lord. I sit at my desk, my office. I, I sit there for about maybe 45 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. It just depends on, you know, how much time I have. And I'll spend time with the Lord, and then I'll just go about my day. And he very clearly described how he wanted to do it. He wanted to change some things up. And he was like, I want you to do it this way. And I haven't been really good at listening to the way he wanted to do things. And, and a lot of times it's like when we get that, and, and what I've learned is that these are very specific instructions for very specific seasons, right? Any, anybody tracking with what I'm saying? Like maybe you'll get this word from the Lord that says, hey, from the next three or four days, I want you to pray at this time or, or, or whatever the case is. But the Lord can be very specific and like give you these instructions and ask you to do things and, and kind of tell you how he wants to spend this time. And I haven't been great at following through with that. But what I've realized is this, is that I'm not like... We think of disobedience of like, oh man, I'm going to get in trouble, right? Oh man, I, I didn't listen to God, like I'm in trouble, right? I want to reframe that because that's not, you're not in trouble, but here's, here's the kicker. You're missing the invitation. He's knocking at the door and you failed to open it. And because you failed to open it, you missed out on receiving something that he wanted to give you. You were Peter who didn't climb the mountain. That's what it was. You were Peter standing at the bottom of the mountain saying, ah, I don't want to go up there. I don't want to do it. Like, what? Is that, that that's really how we're going to live our life with the Lord? Is, is, is refusing these invitations that he brings to us. Like, I had to repent today and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I missed it. Like, I, I missed it. I, I don't want to miss this invitation. I don't want you to knock on the door and me not let you in. Like, I want to know you. I want to see you. And so I have to respond to this invitation. Here's, here's the kicker. Jesus will invite you into seasons of knowing him. He'll invite us in and out of seasons and times of knowing him well. And all that's required for us is to follow instructions, is to listen well. Man, if, and, and I want you to be sensitive to this because the Holy Spirit's really good at, at navigating and, and moving your life. Like, like, if there's ever a time where you're just like, man, I just feel like I need to sit in prayer for a little bit. 
Like, do that. Do it e- very eagerly and purposefully. Like, don't brush that off. Don't just say, like, oh, I'm just emotional, or I, ha- I didn't eat today, or, or I'm just sad. No, 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 no. Don't ignore those things, because what that is, it's an invitation to the Lord. It's an invitation to know him more. And, and these invitations need to be taken very seriously, because... And I don't want to say this because I don't believe that, I don't believe that this is true. I don't believe that an, it, by the invitation of the Lord, it's the only way we can get close to him, but it is the most significant and powerful way that we can get close to, close to him. Like, like here, here's the thought on this, right? We love God because he first loved us. He invited us into this relationship with him. And so now we have an ability to move the heart of God. We can pursue him independent of an invitation. We can come to him and, and, and love on him and, and, and just pursue him. And he rewards those who seek him with more of his presence. But when we respond to his invitation to come, man, that, that reward is, is so much greater in my opinion. When you, can, when you can hear the Lord and respond to him, oh my goodness, like that's, that's, that's the key of a Christian life right there. It's not, not looking at these things as like, oh man, God wants me to wake up at six today. I don't want to do that. Like, come on, really? You can't get out of bed? Is that, that's, that's really going to be our excuse is like, I missed out on this mountaintop moment because I wanted to sleep for an extra 30 minutes. Really? Is that going to be my life? Is that going to be like, you know, what I hold on to? Or like, oh, man, sorry, God, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have time to read my Bible because I had a tea time at 7 in the morning. This, ha- this is a true story that happened to me on Monday. I went and played golf early, and I missed my time with the Lord because I had a tea time. What? A tea time? Come on, guys. Well, not you, Dominic, you dummy. Like, what are you doing, right? Like, you're trading in this incredible moment of this divine revelation of who Jesus is for these trivial, fleeting things in life. It's like, we can't do that. We can't trade that in. I want to read this scripture, verse 2, in John chapter 21, verse 17. We know this story, but as Jesus is getting ready to ascend, he has this conversation with Peter. And he asks Peter this. He says to him, the third time, he did this two more times, before this, the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? It says Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said, said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. Jesus will invite us into opportunities to serve him. And they shouldn't be overlooked because these are very similarly the way he invites us into opportunities to know him. He invites us into these opportunities to serve him. And these as well reveal and glorify the Lord in our life and in other people's lives. And we can't miss them as well. We can't miss them. We can't miss them because we're too busy. We can't miss them because we're too insecure. I had a conversation with somebody, right? And, and, and this is what I want you to, I want you to hear this because, well, just because it's important. But I had a conversation. Somebody was serving in a certain capacity in church and they got butt hurt in that role. You know, church, church hurts real. We all get hurt from time to time. This individual got hurt in this area of ministry. As a result, I had a meeting with them and they said, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna step down from this area. I'm not gonna do this 
for the next year. And they said that it was because their heart was a little messed up. Is this okay? Do I need to change microphones? Remove it? Is this all right? It's just very like, okay. All right. Um, this, this individual said, I'm going to step down because my heart's not right and I just feel weird about it. And, and a lot of us in here would understand that. We would say, yeah, it makes sense, whatever the case is. But, but here's the problem. That is pride. That's pride. Because you're making that about you. We understand pride to be, oh, it's that microphone, huh? Oh, no, it's this. It's mine? Okay, I'll use it. All right, we understand pride to be like, oh, I'm, I'm the dude, right? I'm this big, bad dude, and everything revolves around me. But pride is equally destructive when you make it about your insecurities, right? You hear me? It's like, God, I can't do that because I am fill in the blank, whatever you want to say. We've all made those excuses. I can't share the gospel. I don't know whatever. I can't do this. You are equally as prideful as the person that is puffing out their chest saying, it's all about me, right? Why? Because you are making this thing about you. And any time you make this about you, it becomes prideful. It's not about you. It's about him. And so when you and I receive this invitation from the Lord to do his will on this earth, our immediate response must be yes. It just has to be yes. And you have to know this, that he would not call you to do something that you are unable or unqualified to do. Like if he asked you to do it, one of, uh, uh, something, something's going to happen. Either you know how to do it and maybe you're just a little unsure or he's going to do it through you and you don't have to know how to do it because the Holy Spirit works in us. The Bible says he gives us, the Holy Spirit gives us the words to say before we even show up in the room. We know that following the Lord is, is the primary thing. And so we have to respond to these things. He asked Peter, listen, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. And serving people, loving people, ministering to people, sharing the gospel, being obedient to the Lord. Like there's, man, I, there, there's like this, this, uh, this like argument and maybe, maybe I'll dive into this later, but there's this thought and I, I love talking to people about it because it never makes sense when I talk to people about it. But it's like you see homeless people on the street and it's like, when do I give them money and when don't I give them money, right? Has anybody have, had this thought, right? It's like, when do I help, when don't I help? But you know what's interesting about this, well, how Jesus taught it in the Bible? He, he said this, when you saw me hungry, you gave me something to eat. When you saw me naked, you clothed me. When you saw me in prison, you came and visited me, right? And then the question was, when did we see you in all these things? When you did something to the least of these, you've done it unto me. What was the catalyst of the, the action of serving people? Was it when the Holy Spirit tugged on the heart? Multiple choice question, answer, right? Was it, Jesus didn't say, when the Holy Spirit tugged on my heart, you fed me. No, no, no. What was the catalyst? When you saw. When you saw. When you saw. When you saw me hungry, you fed me. Like, I, I love how there is no, there's no qualifiers there. It's not like, oh man, I just don't feel like the Holy Spirit's speaking to me. Did you see them? You saw them. That's, that's the only requirement there by, by Jesus' example, right? When you saw them, right? And it's like, it, it, it's hard for us because we don't want to always put ourselves out there. We don't want to always be serving, always be giving. But it's like, oh my goodness, 
This is what we're called to do. This is what we're created to do. This is the invitation that Jesus has extended to us to be his hands and feet in this earth. To serve people, to love people. And when we do that, we see Jesus in a mighty, mighty way. It's the invitation into him, into a deeper relationship with him. Jesus will invite us into opportunities to serve him. Here's the last scripture verse I want to share with you before we close um, tonight. We'll, we'll, we'll be here for a minute, but here's the last scripture verse. This is, this is such a sobering story that Jesus shared in Luke chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, you can just mark it there, maybe study it a little bit later, but it says Luke chapter 14, verses 16 through 24, says this, then he said to him, a certain man, this is Jesus telling a parable here, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. A certain man made a great supper and he invited all of his friends, all of his family, a lot of people, right? Verse 17, it says, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. So the invitation went out, come, we're having dinner together. Let's come, come eat. Verse 18, but they all with one accord began to make excuses. They all received this invitation and every single one of them made an excuse. And every time I read this, I used to think, this is not me. <laughs> this isn't me. I, man, Jesus, I, I gave my life to the Lord. I prayed the prayer. I raised my hand. I go to church. This isn't me. I, I, don't re I don't make excuses. And then I realize all the excuses that I make when he invites me. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. And look at these excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go see it. I would rather go look at dirt than behold the Son of God. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. I would rather hang out with filthy animals than the Son of God. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. I'm not going to say anything mean about that. But it's okay. Your wife can come too. Bring her. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Verse 23 says, Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come. Compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. And I don't want to make you feel too bad here tonight. Because here's, here's, here's the truth I'm not teaching tonight in the context of salvation, okay? Your salvation is secure. You don't have to do anything to get your salvation. You're going to heaven. You're good. If, you're, if, you're, if you believe in Jesus, you're going to heaven. But I just believe that you're here tonight because you desire more than just a ticket to heaven. 
I just believe you're sitting in these seats because you really love the Lord. And yes, we all want to go to heaven and spend eternity with him, but but there's something more to this life. There's something more about knowing him. There's a purpose that we're driven here um, on this earth by, by saying this, like I'm not just here just to go to heaven. I'm here to know the Lord. And if that's you, this is the context of the invitation that I don't want you to miss. Because just like Matthew and Judas and, and Philip and Nathaniel and all the other disciples that missed this moment on the mountain with Jesus, I believe that there's so many Christians who die and they go to heaven and they've, they've missed all that God's wanting to do in their life here on earth. That's probably my greatest fear. I'm not afraid of going to hell. I, I know that the Lord has, has, has secured my salvation, but I'm, what I am afraid of is missing out on his supper. What I am afraid of is not responding to this invitation to truly know who the Lord is, to truly love him and honor him the way that he deserves to be loved. And so this is the tweak in the framework that I want us to adjust here tonight. This is the little tweak in perspective, okay? I'm going to give it to you. And I want us to just think about this when we receive the invitation. His invitations should be received with joy and excitement. The invitation of the Lord now from this moment forward in your life, in my life, should be received with joy and excitement. The next time the Holy Spirit tugs on your heart and says, hey, would you, would you reserve just about 30 minutes for me later today? I, I just want to speak to your heart. The next time you just get that, that nudge, that inkling, man, your face should light up. Oh, the, he's inviting me up the mountain. He's inviting me to come up the mountain with him. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited. I get to see Jesus. Not as Jesus is down here, because when he got to the mountain, he was transformed, he was transfigured. I got to see more of his glory up there than I did down here. And what an exciting opportunity for me to spend time with him. Next time he moves your heart to share the gospel, to serve somebody that you see, man, don't, don't be like, oh God, they're so dirty and stinky and I, I gotta go to work, I gotta do, oh, I can't do that. And the next time that invitation comes to you, we should receive it with joy and excitement and say, oh, I can't wait to serve God's people. I know this is an opportunity. This is a moment for me to get closer to the Lord. It's a, it's a moment for me to quite literally serve him. Because he said, when you did this to the least of these, you did it to me. So Jesus, I, I want to serve you and love you better. I don't want to miss this opportunity. We have to change the way we respond to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not burdensome. The Holy Spirit is not inconvenient. The Holy Spirit does not try to like just waste our time. Everything is intentional. And every request by the Holy Spirit made upon our life has a specific purpose and end in mind. And we have to understand that. And, and the end is more of Jesus. The end is good. So it doesn't matter how steep the climb is. It doesn't matter how much he's asking you to give up. Man, the response should always be, yes, Lord, I'm coming. Don't you dare go up that mountain without me. I'm coming too. I want to end with this thought, and I just want to share it with you before we close. But the invitation of the Lord oftentimes 
when he invites you to something, it's, in, it's at the same time inviting you away from something. When the Lord invites you to something, at the, at the same time, that means you are leaving something. An example is in the Bible when he goes to a man named Abram and he says, hey, I want you to come out from your father's house into a land that I'll show you. And Abram had to make a decision and say, okay, I want to, I want to respond to this invitation. I want to see what God has for me but I don't want to leave where I'm at. <laughs> I don't want to put this thing down. Not only did he have to say yes to God, but he had to say no to the world. He had to say no to his father's house, right? And I know that this is the invitation to many in this room tonight. Is he wants to invite you into a deeper relationship with him. And I know right away all of us are like, yes, I want that. But I want you to count the cost because that means you're saying no to something. You're saying no to a toxic relationship. You're saying no to maybe time that you, you kind of did your own thing with. You're saying no to maybe drugs, alcohol, addictions like that. You're saying no to that. You're, you're saying no to something in order to pursue him. And remember, this isn't, this isn't a, I have to work in order to earn more of him. This is, a, I love you so much, I'm going to pursue you. And it's up to you. Remember, we're not talking about heaven and hell here tonight. If you love the Lord, you're blood-bought, you're in the family of God, man, I can't wait to see you in heaven. This isn't a conversation about that. This is a conversation in response to what Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, verse 3, when he said, this is eternal life, that they may know you. This is, this is the conversation that we're having. Is to know the Lord. To be friends with God. And, and I don't want you to be mistaken here tonight. You can be a Christian and not be a friend of God. You can be a believer and not be intimately close with the Lord. Those two things can be true at the same time. And we see it all throughout the Bible. One quick example, we see it with Abraham and Lot. When God decides to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he goes, think about, think about this logically, this doesn't make sense. He goes to Abraham to talk about it. Abraham had nothing to do with Sodom and Gomorrah. He goes out of the way of Sodom and Gomorrah, talks to Abraham about it, where Abraham's only connection with Sodom and Gomorrah was Lot. That was his only connection. So why would God not talk to Lot and talk to Abraham about it. Just go talk to Lot. Why go talk to Abraham? Because Lot didn't have a friendship with the Lord the way Abraham did. Lot wasn't as close. He wasn't a friend of God. He was a believer, so much so that God even went in and warned him and got him out, right? He saved him, but he didn't get to discuss plans with God. He didn't get to dialogue with the Lord. He got the warning, get out, run! But he didn't, he didn't get the, hey, what do you think about this? Because in the Bible, it says that the secret of the Lord is reserved for those who fear him. He will share with them his covenants. Psalms chapter 25, 14. This is, this is what we're called to. Every single one of us in this room, I know you're here on a Wednesday night because you want more than just your average Sunday churchgoer. 
you want to know him. You want the Lord. And so we have to say yes. We have to respond to his invitation. Could you stand with me tonight as we close? Let's just spend a moment in prayer. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for just your wisdom and your revelation. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us understand better about how we ought to pursue you, how we ought to love you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to to rethink how we've responded to your invitations. First off, we just want to say we're sorry. Forgive us for being like one of those people that you invited to your supper and we made an excuse. We didn't have enough time. We didn't have enough resources. We didn't have enough talent or ability to say yes to you, God. What a a lame excuse. We're so sorry. We're so sorry, Jesus, that when you stood at the door and you knocked and you invited us to come and fellowship with you, that we found something better to do. We're sorry that you had to look elsewhere to fill your house. We want to be those individuals that fill your house. We want to be those that respond yes to every invitation that you offer us. When you call us up the mountain, we say yes. If you're calling us away from something, God, we gladly lay it down right now. If you're calling us to spend time with you in prayer and in the word and intercession and worship, God, yes, we gladly say yes. Even if it means we don't get to watch our favorite Netflix show, it's okay. It's okay. Netflix doesn't have eternal ramifications. Jesus, forgive us for putting the things of this world above you your word. Jesus, we want to know you. We'll climb any mountain just to do that. We love you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. So what I want to do as we close tonight is as we dismiss, if you're here and you just Maybe you feel the invitation of the Lord. Maybe even it's rekindled some of the things that you know that he's asked you to do. You know, I know that the Lord has asked me to set specific time and, 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 and positions of my life aside so that I can pursue him for a set amount of time. And he just was so clear with these instructions and I didn't, I didn't take them seriously. And, and I, I've repented of that. But I just feel like there's people in this room who have similarly received this pull, this call on your heart, this tug, you know, and And maybe just like me, you didn't really respond the way you should have to that. But if you felt the tug of the Lord, all I want, want, you know, we're going to close here and you can do whatever you want. But the altars are open if you just want to spend a moment with him and respond now to that call and and, and recommit and say, you know what, Jesus, I'm I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. And Pastor Dion's going to worship this song. It's so beautiful. I wanted to sing it again. But 
let's just take a moment responding to that invitation in whatever way you want. Um, and then, you know, we'll see you all. I'll be here tomorrow night. It's going to be fun. We're going to pursue the Lord with all our DSM students. So you're more than welcome to come out. If I don't see you tomorrow, hopefully I'll see you Sunday. We're going to have our baptism together. But let's just close tonight out in response to the Lord. Pray that you have a great rest of your week. Live right, love everyone. Pray hard.